1: VGK returns from the holiday break to skate in Los Angeles against the Kings tonight. AFC Burnham's new owner, Bill Foley, who ironically also owns the VGK, is featured in an NHL.com story in which there are a lot of parts that are telling and a look back at the weekend's shootout win over the Blues. Hi again, everyone. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golic from Las Vegas you could find us at lockdown vgk at tony dasco at td chris g on twitter and of course we are on youtube at lockdown golden knights please subscribe there ring that stinking bell okay so first of all chris i hope that you and your family had a great holiday weekend we survived and, and you got all the toys and goodies that you wanted i'm sure we survived. okay and yesterday we ate too much co- too many cookies right i think that's what you were telling everyone we barely uh, survived Review. so vgk uh yesterday they reportedly sent uh, jonas ron bjork um brayden pahal and uh, pavel Dorfeev back to henderson and so does this clear the way for jack eichel and or jonathan Marchessault's return tonight in los
0: angeles i would start by uh Jonathan Marcheseau. I feel like his injury, whatever it may have been, it was more of a preventative type of thing. Give him the weekend off. You got the Christmas break and everything. So I feel like Marcheseau was a true day to day scenario um jack eichel i was hoping we could have seen as early as this past monday against buffalo obviously i'm sure jack eichel would have preferred that as well um it seems like he was so let's, let's go off off the major injuries that we have right now not even majors all the injuries marches so day-to-day goes down the tunnel briefly comes back finishes a game uh going back paul cotter in that blackhawks game just got freaking leveled and it seemed like Again, none of us are privy to exactly what's happening, but we assume concussion, right? We assume, uh, you know, a few games a week, whatever the num- number may be. Hopefully he'll be back as quick as possible, health pending. All of a sudden he sneaks onto the IR quietly. So there might be something more going on, whether it's a worse concussion, whether it's a neck, who who knows. But uh, it's unfortunate. So we really don't know about Paul Cotter. Uh, Shea Theodore, I believe, was a week-to-week designation Uh, from Coach Cassidy after the knee-on-knee hit, I believe, against the Flyers, which was not a dirty play, just an unfortunate uh, occurrence there. And then Zach Whitecloud month-to-month, we're not going to see him for a long time. I think I got everybody, uh, not including Brett Howden, who knows what's going on there as well, unfortunately. So I would say Marchessault and Eichel are the nearest to coming back. I would say we get at least one of them, if not both of them, being that we sent three players back down, to Henderson. So, you know, re- reinforcements are coming. We'll take March or so, but March or so, wait, let's do it the other way around. We'll take Eichel with a dash of March's salt because a lot of announcers, and oh. people call them. See, I'm, I'm pretty good, Tony. You, you gave me an extra 10 minutes to think these things through. So Eichel with a dash of March's salt t- today in LA.
1: You're on fire. And I would expect a lot of fans from Las Vegas to make that sojourn to Southern California to watch this game. However, all the Southwest Airlines flights are canceled. Uh, The Kings have played one more game than the Golden Knights, and they are five points behind the VGK. So this is, as a matter of fact, a pretty big game in the Pacific Division tonight. It's a four-point game. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. It's it's going to be one of those uh, games where we're going to see if VGK can respond after a long weekend, I think, more so than the Kings. Do they come out flat? Because we know that they respond off of the road trips and then they have a nice fat weekend here in Vegas. How will they react in this game tonight? And the Kings come in as a uh, a very hot team. Um, they have points in their last five games, in fact. Uh, they only left some uh, one point on the table in a shootout loss to the Coyotes last week. So that's... Back-to-back, to to back, Tony. Huh? It was off a of
0: back-to-back, too. That's right. Yeah,
1: of course. So so rigged yeah this is a tough tough vgk road trip they go to la and then they go to anaheim so on a plane plane. well yeah not southwest though because they're not flying into la for the remainder of the year so all those fights have been canceled uh trevor moore this week signed a five-year deal and so uh that's a pretty big thing for them an extension and uh he comes into the game remember the ending of that first meeting of the year which was kind of bizarre. So VGK wins the game, and they do it in regulation on just the dumbest play ever. Sean Dursey. Sean, Sean Dersey was was behind the net, could never forget this, right? But it gave VGK actually a good start uh, and some momentum after that victory. Uh, he tried to milk the clock, right? Tried to run out the clock in regulation. And VGK was okay
0: milking the clock. Mark Stone made the comment. He, he was like, okay, that? cool. You stay there. I'll stay here. We'll get a point. We'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, that's right. We're just going to get our point. We're cool with that. And so Dursey then decides to make a bonehead stretch pass, intercepted by – let me see if I can still remember this – intercepted by Petrangelo. Petrangelo to Stevenson to Stone, who pots the game winner, right? And it was uh, 24.9 seconds remaining. Whatever the time was, it it wasn't enough, but it it got
0: the job done, and that's – That's what matters. And, you know, you look at the just looking through the King stats, it would be a King season if someone who was a relative unknown wasn't going to take Jonathan Quick's job as of late. Unfortunately, Jonathan Quick, an amazing season. I'm not necessarily knocking him. It's just his reality as of late. So Phoenix Copley
1: Copley, household
0: name, Mm -hmm. six and one with a 2-4-9 goals against. So, you know, now I understand, obviously, why Cal Peterson was uh, sent through waivers, cleared waivers, and I believe playing down in Ontario right now. The Kings, I mean, looking up and down this roster, this all of a sudden, this is the Kings team that we were concerned about, right? Early on in the season, the Kings had a very slow start, and we're like, okay, maybe this isn't going to be that big of a deal. And the Kings are having the season I thought the VGK would have. A, A kind of an eh start just there, right? You know, winning, losing you know, around 500 and then boom, they turn on all of a sudden and they got blown out six to nothing against Buffalo last week. And then they go to Boston and went on the road. So that just shows you the resiliency and how this team can handle it. Um, McClellan, obviously a very experienced coach been through a lot of, uh, adversity in his time, of course, with the Sharks, obviously who can forget all that nonsense. Uh, Arvidsson on 24 points, Phil to 24, Drew Doughty is doing what he does. He's got 20 points. He's probably a minus fourteen, though, if I had to guess. Um, Kevin Fiala, thirty-five points, their big acquisition at three point two five million. That feels like a steal at that number. Um, and then let's see, Kopitar, twenty-nine points. That guy, he—he's immortal. Anze Kopitar is absolutely immortal. He's gonna—he's gonna play longer than Yammer Yager, I think. I mean, he's—he's he's just phenomenal. He's always leading the team. Got to be one of the best captains, period, in the NHL right now, as far as his leadership. Just his work ethic and you never hear anything negative about him, no controversy. Dude just shows up to work and crushes it. And one of my favorite players in the NHL by far.
1: Yeah. They're they roll four lines deep. So that's going to be again difficult for the VGK. The top line, as you mentioned, with Fiala, Kopitar Kempe is just on fire. Um, I feel like Fiala always scores against the VGK. He's one of those guys you got to know and more. Those guys on the second line, the first game, I remember uh, Gabe Velarde, right, who, who I think he scored a goal, but he played well against the VGK. If he didn't, uh, then I, I just feel that he scored something in the preseason, did some damage to the VGK. But they are really he's on the third line. And to me, they they again roll four deep. Uh, we're not sure who will be in that tonight, as you mentioned, uh, but my guess is probably it will be Copley. Because he's got the hot hand. And I was thinking the BGK side. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but, yeah, Copley, I think, ironically, he is from the North Pole, Alaska. So, just got to throw that out there. Tis the season, right? Tis the season still. And uh, Cal Peterson, as you mentioned, sent to the AHL. Jonathan Quick, just, you know, sloppy. Really, he was getting buried. Every time I was watching one of their games, he was just getting beaten like a drum, and then. uh, But in the playoffs,
0: he'll kill it, Tony. In the playoffs, Jonathan Quick will absolutely crush
1: him. Oh, that's good though, right? So they're built, you know, for the end of the season. And then McClellan said that uh, the team now the biggest difference from when we saw them in the first meeting and those uh, preseason games with the fifteen round shootout, fake shootout, and all that rig shootout. McClellan said that they're playing better in front of the goaltenders now. So that's been the major difference with his team because when you think of the Kings, you don't think of them defensively.
0: No, that's something I really have never thought about with the Kings. Another nugget: the Kings are always really good in overtime too. If the games do go to overtime, like I remember back when I had more time at night, not running a business from home, um, if I'm watching, you know, just highlights a game, just channel surfing on the couch, whatever, and the Kings are usually playing late, you know, being in the West Coast. If you see a Kings game going to overtime, if you can get on a, on one of your uh, betting apps and get an in-game bet on the overtime result, hammer the Kings because they've been a fantastic overtime team as of. Uh, Uh, really the last three or four seasons. L.A. is a weird place to play, and the road trip is certainly um, a fun trip. I've done this trip before, not as a a VGK supporter, but uh, before VGK was a thing. We did this once or twice with the Blackhawks. Uh, It's usually L.A. and then Anaheim. I, I compare the Staples Center to... To T-Mobile, but T-Mobile is a little more open, like Staples Center when you're walking around, well, Crypto.com, whatever the heck it is now, it it doesn't feel like an arena when you're in the back of house, like it's, it's a weird feeling, especially in like that, like that club level area. And it's just, it's weird. It's snooty. It, it's LA. I mean, it, it's what it needs to be. It was built for obviously the Lakers and the Clippers are an afterthought, of course. And the Kings are a uh, way beyond an afterthought when you uh, go down the pecking order there. Um, Anaheim. I don't know. That's, that's a weird, the pond, the pond, Honda, the Honda. Very the small. Hondas, I think
1: it's more intimate, obviously. Than, it, than but it feels what big, you Tony. LA. Yeah. It yeah.
0: feels like a big arena, which is weirder. to me a lot of the United center, just a little bit smaller, but just yeah. a, meh, not a lot of character there. And, I don't know, it would have been a fun trip to make, but just
1: too busy, too much going on right now. Yeah, and of course, the L.A. fans tonight will show up by period two, perhaps. That's Well, oh, I think you're going to get a lot of EGK.
0: I think uh, if uh, they show the national anthem or if someone uh, puts it you know, through Facebook or social media, you're going to hear a lot of Knights fans uh, shouting in the, during that anthem tonight.
1: Bolt Coming Knights. up. Coming up next, we've got an NHL.com article that was released over the weekend, caught our attention. It's titled, What AFC Bournemouth Owner uh, and the Fans, What the Owner Bill Foley Can Provide and What the Fans Can Expect Going Forward uh, with the Bill Foley-Owned Team Across the pod. We'll talk about that when we return right here on Locked On Golden Knights. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting information for all the stats, news, and analysis. You get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league that's out there, from football to basketball, from the NHL to esports. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those as well at BetOnline. We are always the fastest, the easiest way to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn a lot more. BetOnline.net. Where the game starts. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golic from Las Vegas. We thank you all for making us your first listen each and every day. Lockdown Sports is another good addition to our family. You could find that wherever you find your podcast. Please make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. So, they have uh, an article that was released by NHL.com this past weekend. And it is supposed to answer questions, perhaps, that the fans are asking over there in the UK about the new ownership of Bill Foley. And, of course, I think this is to counter, to be quite honest with you, seriously, a lot of what I said. to, Like, I put out a lot of the propaganda over there. Uh, you know, I doused the propaganda, let's say, meaning put out, doused it, uh, <laughs> because you knew something was going to come out on what this merry old owner would be providing for the fans there. Now, it is a PR puff piece, make no mistake. It's on NHL.com. It goes behind the wizard's curtain, so to speak. And so let's uh, just take a look at some of the things that were pointed out there, and we could go point by point if you'd like to what have you. Um, It talks about, oh, boy, sharing values that, you know, the way that he – Uh, built this team, the military man, the Army's U.S. Military Academy Knights, and how he brought that strong value uh, and values to the VGK. It emphasizes player development. Okay, have they done a great job with player development here? Go go a step
0: deeper into that point. It talks about uh, City National and Lifeguard Arena. And I think if you look at the entire point together, about investing in the ability to train these players. I think that's the point that I will agree with.
1: That's fair. Um, no, no, he as... definitely invet- Yes, I, that's the one point that when they asked me about it, I did say, yeah, he invests in the team. In his teams, you got over fifty million dollars
0: about. in uh, in structures between uh lifeguard and city national. Lifeguard might even be a few bucks more, but um
1: and the dollar loan center, the dollar yeah, the dollar loan center is beautiful too. I mean, it's right? it, I mean, it, back of house is
0: weird there, but otherwise it's a beautiful place. <laughs> um, so back to developing the talent. I mean, I think this season, Tony, we're actually seeing it to a degree, right? We just mentioned Ron Beard, Lessian, Brain Bahall going back down. Um, you look at other players that have you know come through the system from the beginning. Keegan Kolasar I mean, we, we make our points about him, but he is a homegrown talent and he is an everyday skater. Even when the team is healthy, he's probably an everyday skater. He was an everyday skater when the team was healthy, so I don't think that's going to change at all. Um, Zach Whitecloud, unfortunately, his injury situation, Nick Hague. So, yes, in the beginning, there was a – we were churning out some players. And then all the trades, obviously, after that, And there was basically a a nice little lull, if you will, for a couple of seasons. And then now uh, this season and the previous season, you are seeing some of these players contributing Paul Cotter at a higher level, obviously. So are we as far along as some other teams? Probably not, but we're starting to see it because we haven't traded all these other players away yet, yet,
1: yet. Okay. So there is a big point in there that I had some issues with that was kind of forced into there. And, borders on the word and the term propaganda. I'm just going to be honest about it, okay, that he is engaged and treats the players well within this organization. Spends most of the season here and enjoys lunch with players in their lounge. He listens to any concerns that they have and takes immediate steps to address them. Players often can uh, can come to him and they comment on how much they enjoy this time. And so... Now I know that the ticket to Dallas for Pete DeBoer came from meeting with those players each and every day. And I think that offender number one, William Carlson, who just was not happy with that system said so on the day they cleaned out their lockers. And there's other players. I think, again, I really feel like Foley gives preferential treatment to Carlson, to Marsh, So not to Smith so much, um, but players like that, I think are definitely in his ear each and every day. And then, okay, does he really treat the players well? Take the case of Marc-Andre Fleury. Like, finds out on Twitter, allegedly. Who knows how that shook out? Again, uh, Nate Schmidt, I think. Nate Schmidt really didn't know much about being moved when he was uh, moved. And then, um, were, was Max Pacioretty really treated well during his stay in Vegas and talking about, the lack of, of accountability. I don't understand. Yes, I know that they're trying to frame this for the fans there and to give them confidence in the new owner. Some great things that Bill Foley does. Again, facilities, second to none. Because the fans there were asking me and the BBC and everyone, podcast, what have you, they asked me about the facilities. And, hey, is he really going to build this training center? Absolutely. If he says he's building a new stadium, will that happen? Absolutely. Those things will happen. But as far as the infrastructure of the team, I'm not quite sure if what they're saying there really is true about treating all the players well, but meeting with them every day. Okay, I have a friend that runs a amateur sports club, and he has absolutely no contact with the parents of the kids. None. None. <laughs> and he keeps them out of the equation, which I kind of go back and forth. The parents have no input into how he runs his programs. And so to me, by Foley doing this, I think he goes around the head coach and the guys are going to whine when things aren't going well. Could you imagine they're having a BLT at lunch and, uh, and Marcia So going, yeah, I'm not liking this Cassidy guy. I can't imagine that the comments that the players are feeding Foley benefit this team
0: just going through a few things in my head we we we, we talked a little about this last night so it's a strange different world now and not just in the sports world but in corporations and small businesses and big businesses where there is this line now that these employees have to, you know, they, they, they just skip steps all the time, right? They, if you have an issue with what your supervisor is doing, instead of talking to your supervisor, you talk to the manager or the director, or, you know, whoever the highest power is without allowing the chain of command an opportunity to fix it. So just going back to my personal history here, of course, I've, I've, at time, I've had three or 400 staff members directly underneath me. Underneath isn't the right word. I've had three or 400 people directly in my report to realm when I'm running a big poker tournament, and when something or let's just focus on the department side the 50 or so people on each side when something comes from above me and says hey someone talked to me about this okay fine cool I'm glad they brought this up but you know how come they don't talk to you know give people an opportunity because that's how you get the best results I feel if I Tony if I got a problem with what you're doing on the show I'm not going to go to Sean right away I'm gonna be like hey Tony, listen, I got let's talk about this. And well, I don't think we even had an issue to work out. But if we ever did have a problem, I'd talk to you and we'd laugh about it. We move forward. That's how you do it. I wouldn't go to Sean. I wouldn't go to uh, um, uh, I forgot who sends out those those updates from lockdown. Forgive me. But, you know, I wouldn't go to exactly I wouldn't go to the to the biggest person. I'd go to you, Tony, and I'd talk to you and be like, hey, here's my problem. Let's work it out. Let's move forward when it comes from above, that's interesting. So yeah, when March is so and William Carlson are having their, their BLT or whatever it is that they eat, I'm using your terminology, you know, it, it's good to have that relationship. Like it's good that the owner is visible, but how how visible is too visible? I think is the first question that I would ask. And then sure, the players are putting things into his head. And then all of a sudden now the owner is going to, he's going to McPhee, he's going to McCrimmon or right to Cassidy. Hey, here's what I'm hearing. You know, you might want to work on this and You know, Cassie throws his arms up and now he's worried everything that he's doing in practice in the games behind the bench, behind closed doors, whatever that may be, is going to be, you know, more or less used against him instead of the players going to him. And this is just our perspective. We're we're just throwing darts right now at some of the things that we're saying, but we're not throwing darts to a degree as well. You mentioned Nate Schmitz. Uh, That was a very unfortunate trade that's fully was It was a situation that Foley was forced into by uh, McCrimmon andor or McPhee, obviously, once Petrangelo was signed by the BGK. They had a very short window to trade him. That was a fleece by, at the time, the Vancouver Canucks for like a third round pick or something like that. Um, and that trade bothered Foley. He talked about that. Um, the Marc-Andre Fleury situation bothered him. I think more of this is not Bill Foley pulling the strings and saying, okay, we got to get Flurry out of here. In comes Robin Leonard. I don't think that's how a lot of this stuff works. I think this is McCrimmon and McPhee getting in his head. And I think McCrimmon and McPhee also require permission for some of these other moves that they do make, which is why they have to have multiple conversations with Foley to get him on, on board. So, You know, how much of this and the article mentions about putting experts in place to run the business Foley does mention. I think the quote was something along the lines of he captains the ship or something like that. I'm sure you might
1: have this queued up for us, but, you know, he's the captain of the ship. He's he's the the captain of the the ship. That's what he he was discussing with one of my uh, friends there. One of my uh, pals, a bloke over there in England uh, that was interviewing him. And, you know, because I I did the interviews before and like, how do you run this team? You know, I'm the dictator. A limited partner is very, very limited. I'm the captain of the ship. So you said.
0: Yeah, no, Foley is, uh, uh, listen, I mean, some people do have an ego Foley does have an ego. I don't care what anyone says. He's seems like a great guy behind the scenes. Um, it'd be great to share a conversation with. I'm sure it'd be a, a memorable moment if you got to spend a few words with him or, you know, five, 10 minutes with him, whether it's over a drink or a meal or a BLT or, or whatever it may be, or an electric lemonade at a, a T-Mobile arena that costs 26 bucks, you know, whatever that may be. Um, but a lot of these, you know, I mean, he's a billionaire many times, you know, seems like many times over, at least I would assume. I don't know. He's got a lot of money. And with that does come an ego, does come a bit of a power trip. And it is his house. It is his rules at the end of the day. Sure, he's going to put experts in place, just like he did uh, over here with his uh, football club. There's going to be all sorts of people in place that are going to make key decisions. But how much rain do they truly have? We talked about this in the off season where Foley said he wants to be more visual, he wants to be more involved in things. So I really wonder going back to my corporate world, that's just damaged my brain. It seems like the more I bring this up, does it literally like they have to send an email to Bill Foley and he has to approve, you know, check it or something like that? Like what's everything, the, every single thing. Maybe it's what it feels like. I mean every hey, ounce we of you gotta trade everything. Zach Hayes, approve. Like,
1: I mean, is it down but to that? Also- artwork and everything, every single ounce of what goes out there. I think he's involved with it's not bad. I'm okay with with that part of it. It's not, it's not bad to have an owner, you know, who's hands on. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that if these players are enjoying their Braden Lachiz and Thompson BLT, uh, if they're there enjoying a sandwich with Bill Foley and they start to give comments and some of them might not get playing time. I can't imagine the comments after that one game, remember, Chris, the game where um, Marshall so was sat down, you know, for a while. And then the next day, let's go have lunch. And, yeah, I don't like this coach. I mean, I, and I definitely, I understand, obviously, it's great to have communication with the owner of the team. But he's got his pets there, I'm sure. And if things aren't going well. As is well, any business. Year, well, last year was not a great season for William Carlson. So what does he do? Blames a lack of creativity. Blame, you know, basically is pointing everything that he said, pointing towards the coach. And now does he have that freedom? It doesn't appear as though he's taking advantage of it. If he does early on, Carlson seemed to have an okay start and his PK is fine,
0: but he's not definitely doing what I had predicted him to do.
1: Yeah, for sure. But again, again, I don't know if it's meddling. You know, the ownership is meddling there or again, getting some good comments from the team. Uh, if he wants some feedback on the structure of the 1-3-1, one, one, then that's the coach. You know, like, It shouldn't come down to the players You know, going to him. It's good to give comments, but I don't know if, where those comments lead. I don't know if it's productive, to be quite honest. And I definitely now, again, by those comments that I read in the story, there is without a shadow of a doubt that the players ran Pete DeBoer out of town. That's basically how it went down.
0: I think it's a combination of the players and the situation. I mean, we, we watched the games, Tony, and how many times is it? VGK gets 47 shots on goal, and it felt like 44 of them had no shot of going in. Like, so, you know, Pete DeBoer, yeah. I mean, and things are going well in Dallas. Pete DeBoer has a very strong history of making deep runs when he takes over a team and then it kind of dries out a little bit after that. So we'll see how Pete DeBoer does in season two, if he makes it through season three, cause that's a uh, not just a, a Dallas or a Pete DeBoer thing. That's an NHL thing, two and a half, three seasons, like you're in and out and maybe we'll get, maybe Cassidy will be around longer. I hope so. Cause if he is, I mean, that means he's weathered a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of, um, a lot of poop emojis coming his way, I guess. Cause uh, being a VGK coach comes with a lot of pressure a, it's a very hot seat from the word go and so far Cassidy's done a great job of you know maneuvering that and we'll see if it lasts and we'll see how his relationship to your point Tony his relationship with the players go and then how the players paint their relationship with Cassidy over these lunches with Foley and whoever else is there and you know it's I mean, it's it's a culture. You know, I do see McCrimmon back of house talking to a lot of back of house employees and things like that as well at the games. So, you know, maybe there is just that culture of, hey, just because you're a big guy wearing the tie and that's not a shot at his size, I'm just simply by his... Um, By his role with the team, just because you're a big person with the team, a big role doesn't mean you don't have time to talk to everybody that's behind the scenes and things like that. So, you know, taking the glass half full approach, I think that might be also something to point out. Maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm stretching a little bit. I think it is good that Foley's visible. I think it's important to have that relationship. I think Foley just likes having that relationship as well. But in the same breath, you know, how much is too much? And then we've talked about interference from above, uh, you know, over the summer a few times. And in in the in the spring, as that season came to an end, how soon until we start talking about interference from above Mm. in our shows again? Hopefully not anytime soon. But
1: if things start going rough come February, we're going to be talking about interference from above a lot. Another bullet point to point out here, it says that he treats coaches very, very well. No, it doesn't. I'm being facetious there. Uh, he does serve the community. They do some great things, and they'll have probably the Cherries Foundation and all that there. So that would be good. Give back to the community. Uh, follows the advice of experts. If he's the captain of his ship, does he listen much to experts? Not quite sure about that point. And I think the point that we both agree on and we've seen the fruits of the labor is that he has an incredible desire to win. And that's the one thing that, you know, in doing all these interviews abroad, uh, the one thing that I made sure that I pointed out is that he does have a tremendous and absolutely uh, he's infatuated with wanting to win. He has that desire to win. It's the ego. It's the ego. It's the ego. And that's good. I want an owner that wants to win. I want an owner not
0: afraid to allow their general manager to make some very jaw dropping moves. And I look at this VGK team and I think back to growing up a White Sox fan with Ken Williams as our general manager. We've talked about this before. Kenny Williams, you know, they're not all the right moves, but he's going to make moves. And if things aren't working well, in comes Albert Bell, in comes Jim Tomey, although that one I didn't agree with after they won the World Series. But, you know, in comes these big names, uh, David Wells, big name, no pun intended there, you know. And they're going to make moves and they're going to do what they can. I don't know how easy it is in the the, the European soccer world to make those types of moves. I'm sure you can do something. I don't know exactly if it's like the NHL, but like you said, he's going to find a way to
1: compete and he's going to want to win he's got an ego he wants to win and that's good yeah for sure and great uh, conversation there and good topic and again it's on nhl.com if you want to check it out and we do welcome all of the new cherry fans who follow us on twitter and listen now to the podcast i kind of spread the love there to them for everything they do and they return the favor so it's really cool and we appreciate it and uh, if anything pops up there cherry we'll Make sure that we follow it there. Coming up next, our predictions for tonight's game. VGK traveling to Los Angeles out of the chute after the holiday break. Uh, We'll talk about uh, our predictions as well as our locks of the night and much, much more. Uh, Stay with us. We'll also take a look back at the St. Louis game over the weekend right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome back on Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. We appreciate you making us your first listen, your team every day. And you can find us wherever you get your podcast. And make sure that you check out our YouTube channel where there's a lot uh, a lot of shenanigans going on. And you can also check out uh, the new cap that uh, Chris is supporting today. Is that a gift? Do you need a uh, black light on top of it? No?
0: <laughs> no, I've had this one for a while. I just grabbed a different
1: hat to it. Okay, I want to talk first of all. One of the highlights of the VGK St. Louis game the other night, little Chris was that his debut on Nitron? <laughs> no, that's definitely not his debut on Night. Oh, god, no! Oh, god, no!
0: He's uh, he's, he's a mainstay on that thing, it seems like. So,
1: Nitron is uh, it's the Jumbotron and they call it Nitron, and they show a lot of photos of the fans there just to set the stage. Yeah, so my son and my my chris
0: wanted to explore the strip he loves learning about the properties and the casinos not the gambling side just loves learning about them and things like that so soon
1: enough son soon enough yeah
0: soon enough so the day starts at palace station of all places we end up at win encore walking around to man to, to excalibur to luxor luxor pardon me to mandalay bay as we're going down the escalator chris is sitting like this chris make the face make the face you did for the picture there you go. He's pointing backwards and I take the picture. I'm like, cool. And then he's like, he's pointing at the blues sign. It was house of blues. They played the blues. So he was, you know, Chris was on the ball. I was not on the ball on that one. So you do the thing. If you use a certain hashtag, they'll put, you know, if it's a cute picture, they'll usually put you up on the jumbotron and or on the nitron and that's that. Right. So I look <laughs> up about I don't know, 15 minutes before warmth is about to start. And there's a little Chris up there. And I try to snap a picture right away because they cropped out House of Blues on the picture. <laughs> they cropped it out. You took my what the Friday, but I'm still going to put it in there on Friday anyway. <laughs> they cropped awesome. out the House of Blues part. And so they just had my son up here like, like you know, making a, a, a funny face. So I, I don't know. It was, um, I mean, I get it, I guess, you know, sponsors, whatever. You don't want a kid, you know, giving thumbs down to House of Blues in, in the middle of the casino floor. But it was, it was fun. It was goofy. But what the Tuesday Vegas Golden Knights <laughs> were cropping out
1: House of Blues. That was a money shot and you blew it. That's great. Uh, So VGK comes off of the win. They did beat the Blues that night in a shootout. First win in 10 tries in which they gave up more than three goals in a game and actually won. So that's the first time that they won a game there. Uh, VGK, it's imperative once again tonight. Uh, They are 18-4-0 in scoring first. And so we'll take a look at that as one of our keys tonight in games where they have to come from behind again Cassidy kind of laid that out uh, everything starts to compound and VGK goes from being down one to two and sometimes three goals in a game Chandler Stevenson talk about his contributions once again another four-point game right is that where we left off the other night a four-point game
0: three points four points whatever it is it's noticeable I mean he went through a, go- a, a goal streak for a while but he was still contributing and now he's getting all these assists I mean he is Mark Stone's center. And I think something I'll, I'll, I was going to tw- text you about this. I think we should possibly put together some lines and fam, you're welcome to jump on this as well. What if there's a, a again, back to a balanced situation where a player like Amadio does stay up on line one and you keep line one as Stevenson stone Amadio. And you know, now you slide Eichel down to line two, you know, Eichel March Riley Smith. And then Carlson, obviously, down to line three. Like, there is a possibility. Like, in my opinion, at least right now, why would you want to overload that line one? If you want to create these line mismatches, utilize Stevenson as a natural center. That is his position. He's better in the center as the wing, and we're seeing it right now. Mark Stone is a man possessed. And you, you, you can go to that line if you need the hero line, right? You can put them together. But I would honestly like to see an experiment where Eichel or whatever, who cares what line one, line two is irrelevant. The first line, the second line, whatever you want to say. I would like to see a situation where Eichel is not on that line and see what this team can do. And that might help correct the line three situation. All of a sudden now you have William Carlson out there with, uh, you know, Paul Cotter, you know, and someone else. I mean, that's, that's something
1: that can produce and that might fix everything on
0: its own. And you keep line four as is.
1: Lisa Cotter had a photo on her Twitter feed yesterday. With the, the fam, as you call them, um, of course Paul was in there. He looks fine, so maybe he's coming back pretty soon. But what are they going to do with the Mario then? Because the Mario's on fire. You can't take him off the top line. And again, if Michael comes back, you have no
0: choice but to take him off the top line.
1: No choice. If if Cotter comes back, you think they'll take Mario off? No,
0: no. I was saying if Eichel oh, were Eichel to come comes back, back. oh yeah, I don't, I don't for see sure. That's an immediate the path.
1: But then where he'll be strong on the third line and. Again, you could put Stevenson or Carlson. I think ran. I think Carlson ran Amadio audio off of his line. Remember in the preseason? Listen, Carlson, Cotter, <laughs> Castle. they were having a BLT. He said, I don't like this guy on my line. And why am I playing the third line? Um, real fast, I want to address Max.
0: something that'll take 30 seconds, hopefully. So, Matt, uh, G- Gourley, Gourley, I don't know if I was, yeah, the yeah, name yeah, Matthew right.
1: Gourley, yeah. We had,
0: we had up and back about, um, about the game, and I mentioned after the third goal that Logan Thompson led in quickly in the second period that we might see Aiden Hill. I didn't say LT was having a bad game or anything like that. I simply said we might see Aiden Hill come into this game. And, and Matt uh, thought I was, you know, on, on LT's case a little bit. I felt the goal went between LT's legs was a bit weak, even though there was a weird deflection. I still felt that one was weak. But, you know, you don't always pull a goalie just because the goalie isn't playing well. That's not the message that you're sending. Sometimes you create that spark. You create that energy. You piss off the team, for lack of a better term, because the team wasn't playing well in front of him. That's one of the other many reasons why you might pull a goalie. So that's why, Matt, I was... So possibly suggesting that not anything against LT. LT played decent that game. He wasn't great, but he was decent. He gave the team a chance to win. He showed up in the shootout as well. So that's my uh, short point. Shorter as we wind this thing down. Maybe
1: it's a VLT, a Vegas Logan Thompson. Will he be in net tonight? VLT. I think we go. Uh, I think we go LT Aiden Hill. Okay, and then uh, any predictions and also your lock of the night. We got to wrap it up here. Uh,
0: I think we got a high scoring game
1: four three.
0: Let's go with Stevenson and Smith.
1: Okay. 4-3 BGK. Okay, I'm going 5-4 LA Kings. I just think the Kings need to win this game. It's going to be something I think that they've circled on their calendar. Uh, And then I will go with uh, Chandler Stevenson, and I will go with Will Carrier. We nice. Thank everyone for tuning in to our show today. As always, thanks for making us your first listen. And we'll see you again tomorrow right here on Lockdown Golden Knights.